Hey guys, it's me, Overreactor. Welcome to episode two of Official Timeout, where we're going to continue discussing the terms found in the glossary from WFTDA rulebook. And this can be found at WFTDA.com, and that stands for Women's Flat Track Derby Association. I want to give a special shout out and special thanks to everyone who has been so supportive thus far of this podcast. Thank you for helping spread the word to different leagues and across various social media platforms. And also a very special thank you to Scruff McDuff from Red Stick Roller Derby for helping me spread the word on social media. All of the referees and non-skating officials from Red Stick Roller Derby in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, they have been so very helpful to me and to the other officials in my area helping us just grow and learn and supporting us and it's just really awesome working with them and I can't think Thank you all enough for your love and support, for your love and support, for your love and support. We were reffing with you, we were reffing with you. It's a, it's a magical space that we can skate this referee crew. Bum, 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 bum. Hmm. Yeah, that reminds me I need to make um, some kind of jingle for this podcast, so stay tuned for that magic. We'll see. I have no idea. We'll see what happens. Okay, um, what else? Oh, yes. I also want to give a special shout out to Amy Wan, who left a comment on my Instagram, which if you aren't already following, you can find me at ovary underscore actor. And Amy says... Just listen to the first episode. Thank you so much. I've been an NSO since last season, and I have just started learning to ref. This podcast was so helpful. Thank you so much for saying that. I'm so excited that you've been learning more about Derby, and I hope that you can get a lot out of this podcast. Yay! Okay, other really exciting news. This podcast is now available through multiple listening platforms. So far, it's on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And I am working on getting it published in all of the different podcast areas. So as it continues to get published in more places, I'll be sure to update you with each new development. Okay, so... All of the business is now taken care of. So let's pick back up where we left off. We just finished talking about the different people involved in the sport. And, oh, I do want to clarify, when you hear me say NSO, that stands for non-skating official. So you have skating officials and non-skating officials. The skating officials are also called the referees. They wear the stripes. They, you know, call the penalties. The non-skating officials help in regards to tracking the points, writing down the penalties, keeping track of the penalties. Penalty box. So it's a huge amount of support with skating and non-skating officials. I just wanted to make sure I clear that up in case anyone doesn't know what NSO means. Now you do. Okay, let's talk about starting positions. So now we kind of know like gameplay and all that good stuff. Now we're like lining up to go. A skater is in position when they are on the track, in bounds, and in the designated area for their position when the jam starting whistle is blown. So there is a jammer line and there is a pivot line. Jammers must line up behind the jammer line. Blockers must line up ahead of the jammer line, but behind the pivot line. 
and there are some special rules regarding the pivot line and the pivot that we'll get into in a later episode. But for now, you just need to know jammer line and pivot line, and that's that. So the jammers have to make trips through the pack. Each trip represents an opportunity to score points on the opponent. And remember, we talked about the jammer having the star and star cover on their helmet. Each trip is an opportunity to score points, but they have to repass their opponent. The act of passing an opponent who has already been passed during the current lap. Most relevant to a jammer who ends up ahead of the opponent without earning the pass, such a jammer would not score a point on that opponent, but could repass that opponent, earning their second pass in order to score that point. So that would be the important thing. Jammers do not earn points on their initial trip through the pack. They must pass each opponent twice in order to score a point on them. So here's lap and lapping. One skater has lapped an opponent. If the skater has passed the opponent twice in a row without the opponent having passed the lapping skater in between. If a jammer passes an opponent for the second time, but the second pass was not earned, the jammer is still said to have lapped their opponent and may earn a repass on said opponent to score that missed point which we just talked about, which is so funny because I just flopped these two around thinking that I needed to talk about repass first. So let me go back. So that would be if you missed an opportunity to score a point on an opponent, you can pass them again and get that point. All of this has to do with the hips, okay? The laterally projecting prominence of the pelvis or pelvic region from the waist to the thigh. It's the central point of this area that determines a pass, regardless of the direction the skater is facing. So you look at the center point of the mass of the skater's hips to determine if the skater has passed another skater. The center point of the hips, and even if the skater is skating backwards or up or down or da-da-da, it's the hips. That's where we look, all right? So remember I talked about um, jams can last up to two minutes but may be less than that? That's because there's something called the lead jammer. Both jammers line up behind the jammer line at the jam starting whistle and they both fight their way through the pack of blockers. One of them will emerge through the pack before the other. That's what gives you lead jammer status. And the definition of the lead jammer is the first jammer to establish superior position to the foremost in-play blocker, having already earned a pass on all blockers, excluding those ahead of the engagement zone. The benefit to being lead jammer is that they can call off the jam at any time by placing their hands repeatedly on their hips. So it is kind of a battle to get out first. But what it means by excluding all those ahead of the engagement zone, sometimes the blockers will like try and chase the jammer up because the jammer has to get through everyone in the pack, get ahead of all of them. Even if they've passed one blocker, but that blocker goes back up to the front of the pack, that jammer still has to get through the entirety of the pack. So sometimes one blocker will just like keep staying a little bit ahead of the jammer, but at some point, if the pack is not moving along, that blocker will become out of play in the front. And as soon as that happens, it's like the blocker just disappears from the track in your mind and this and that jammer is immediately the lead jammer. So that's why it's important to stay in play in the engagement zone. So this brings us to a knot on the track point, which is also referred to as a knot point, and that is N-O-T-T point. So if you hear um, an official talking about a knot point, this is what it is. It's a point for not on the track. So it's a point given for an opponent who is not on the track, such as a skater in the penalty box. The jammer will earn that point immediately upon earning a pass on any opposing blocker per trip through the pack. 
So if I am the red jammer and I'm coming up on a scoring trip through the pack, then they have a blue blocker in the penalty box. As soon as I legally pass a blue blocker, I'll get the not point for the blocker that is sitting in the penalty box. Okay, so they're not on the track, but you get the point. Points awarded in error are points that have not been legally earned by a jammer and have been awarded to the team incorrectly and or erroneously by an official or as the result of a technology malfunction. So a point denied in error is similar to points awarded in error, but they're points that are denied in error. They have been legally earned by a jammer, but have not been added to the official score due to delay, an error by an official, or as the result of a technology malfunction. You know, stuff happens sometimes. We're human. Technology can suck sometimes and really screw things up. And that is the definition of those things. So we talked about before with the jammer and the pivot and something called a start pass. And this is like the magic of roller derby because the star pass is the act of transferring jammer status, which is accomplished by the jammer handing their helmet cover, the star, to the pivot. It's exciting. So yeah, the pivot can take over as jammer if the jammer passes the helmet cover to the pivot. And there's a whole scenario on that and it's awesome. But we'll talk about that later. I feel like I'm saying that a lot. Like, oh yeah, but we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. I feel like I'm an angry wife (laughs) saying to her husband, we'll talk about this later. Worst words ever. (laughs) Uh, But no, really, we we will talk about it later. (laughs) Okay, so an apex jump is an attempt to legally shorten the distance traveled around the curve of the track by leaping over the track boundary and landing back in bounds. That is another really magical thing to see happen. And as an official, one of the hardest things for me to do is to not look impressed by apex jumps. (laughs) because you see them and you know you're straight faced and very official and just looking at points but you see this really beautiful jump and you just want to go wow that was so great but you can't nope you gotta just act like it wasn't even a big deal but it's really beautiful and congratulations to everybody who could do it because um it, it looks really tough If you're just watching a roller derby game and the jammer's coming up around like toward the curve and if the pack is stationed near the curve, you can cross your fingers that the jammer will do an apex jump because it's really cool to see. Just Google that if you don't know. No, in fact, I'll see if I could find some kind of video or something to post on my Instagram of a beautiful apex jump. Um, Yeah, so that, wow, I guess, I guess I have a thing for apex jumps. Um, okay, moving on. Let's talk about engaging in contact with another player. There are ways to do it legally, and if you don't, you will get a penalty. And this has everything to do with a blocking zone and a target zone. The blocking zone is the area of the body that may be used to hit an opponent when performing a block. The target zone is the area of a body on the opponent that a skater makes contact to when blocking. When I first started, this was really tricky for me to kind of grasp the difference between blocking zone and target zone, but I block with my body and I'm throwing my body on a target, which would be another person. So I block with my blocking zone to the opponent's target zone. And I won't go into too much detail right now as to what the blocking and target zones are, but just know that they exist, okay? 
Positional blocking is blocking without contact. Positioning oneself so as to impede the opponent's movement on the track, positional blocking need not be intentional. A counter block is any movement toward an oncoming block by the receiving opponent designed to counteract an opponent's block. Counter blocking is treated as blocking and held to the same standards and rules except where specified. An assist is physically affecting a teammate. A common example of an assist is a push or a whip. And we talk about blocking in target zones, but pretty much you can do whatever you want to your own teammate because they're your teammate. Linking is an interlocking of arms via crooking of an elbow. Crooking of an elbow. I have not. This must be one of those colloquial terms they talked about, the crooking of an elbow. I mean, I feel like that means like, you know, when you bend your elbow together, like you're doing the like a hoedown dance, I guess. A crooking of an elbow, like the crook of an elbow. Hmm. Okay. So both skaters' arms are up to, but not including the shoulder, are considered to be part of the link. Grasping is actively gripping something. For example, grabbing a teammate's uniform or helmet cover or holding hands. The grasping skater's arm from the hand up to but not including the shoulder is considered to be part of the grasp. The teammate is not considered part of the grasp unless the teammate is independently grasping. So you have a grasper and a graspy. And I bet they talk about grasping and linking in the penalty section when they refer to multiplayer blocks. So just kind of know grasping and linking. Okay, at this point, let's travel in our mind's eye to the roller derby hokey pokey linking arms and grasping dance. And while you imagine that, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Okay, we're back. Let's move on to the next term I want to go over, and that would be forceful contact. Forceful contact is an abrupt contact, such as hitting or striking, with a significant amount of strength and energy or any contact that either has the potential to harm the recipient or significantly alter their position, balance, speed, trajectory, etc., regardless of whether that potential is actualized. Yeah, that's just like too much. Too much aggression. Okay, so we're going to talk about falling small. A skater is said to have fallen small if they fall with the arms and legs controlled, tucked into the body, and not flailing or sprawled. Basically, is every skater's responsibility to remain upright. This is why they're minimum skills and evaluations. However, that's not always the case, and sometimes people fall. So it's the skater's responsibility to fall small and not be sprawled out all over the track, and that's just a safety issue, really, you know? Next, we're going to talk about what it means to be impenetrable, and this is regarding when blockers from one team make up what's known as a wall. These are different strategies a team may use to join the blockers together in such a way to hinder the progress of the opposing jammer or to uh, move in such a way that they can allow their own jammer to get through. And it's, it's part of the gameplay strategy. And as such, there are rules that must be followed. One of these rules is not to be impenetrable. A wall is considered to be impenetrable from a certain direction when, to achieve a pass on one or more skaters who compromise the wall, an opponent would need to physically break bones or joints. The parts that would need to be physically broken in order to pass are considered the impenetrable parts. For example, if two teammates are skating forward with their arms around each other's backs, the arms constitute an impenetrable wall so that an opponent could not pass between the pair without breaking one of those blockers' arms. And I guess this is where we come to the whole like joining by the crook of the elbow, right? Like if two people are linked in such a way that should they not move their arms and you're coming in with 
such a force that the only way to get through would be to have a bone broken. That's impenetrable. And that's um, frowned upon in this sport. So, um, yeah, just don't do that. The initiator is the skater who is responsible for contact happening to an opponent or initiating the block or a teammate initiating an assist. A skater can also initiate their own assist by taking a whip off a teammate's body or initiate a counter block in response to an opponent's block. The initiator of a block or assist is always responsible for the legality of that contact, which as a referee, this is one of the big things that we're told to look for who initiated that contact. Because if I initiate a block to your head, which is an illegal target zone, then you aren't really responsible for me slamming into your head. But if you initiate a block to me using your head, then you are responsible. So as a referee, initiation is a huge, huge part of what we need to know who initiated it. Because then we would need to know to whom to assign the penalty Wait, what's a penalty? (laughs) I'll tell you right now. A penalty is a violation of the rules of the game requiring the skater to serve time in the penalty box or the specific punishment of serving time in the penalty box due to the commission of such a violation. We need to talk about something called no impact. For no impact, it's a violation of the rules of the game that has limited impact on safety or gameplay and does not warrant a penalty. You know, a lot of times people look at the refs of like, you just want to call penalties all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, that's our... Our job is to call penalties, but when you look at the whole picture, everyone involved in this entire sport across the board has the same goal, and that is to let derby happen. Everybody wants to have a roller derby game played, so it would be silly to just send people to the box for something that maybe doesn't impede anything or cause any harm to anyone. Like, okay, like technically you can't do that, but like nobody lost position, nobody fell, so it's no impact. An illegal procedure is any technical or non-contact infraction that violates the rules. And there are lots of different things that can be considered a legal procedure. This is a penalty, but it's not necessarily a contact penalty. An example of this might be if a team fails to put a jammer on the track at the start of a jam. You can't have a jam if there's not two jammers, one from each team, so that would be an illegal procedure. And this is one of those instances where the penalty goes to the team as a whole and the captain of that team would serve that penalty. Sometimes the officials can give a warning, and this is a formal verbal indication from the official that play is currently or is about to be improper so that a skater can take corrective action. There's lots of different ways an official can give a warning, but one of the biggest things that happens all the time in gameplay is when the official is giving the warning pack or no pack or out of play so a skater can be warned that there is no pack and they must take corrective action or a skater might be warned that they are out of play and they get that opportunity to correct that action but failure to correct guess what results in a penalty bum 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 penalties happen guys it's part of why the sport needs officials so when you get a penalty you have to exit the track and this is regarding penalty enforcement so you get the penalty you exit the track and you have to exit the track to the outside in order to report to the penalty box now there's a very important word i need to go over regarding this and it's called immediately 
This word is so important that it was placed into the glossary of the rule book, okay? Immediately means the first legal opportunity in which someone may complete an action. So when you talk about exiting the track immediately, it's upon the very first legal opportunity you have. So sometimes a skater may be called on a penalty called insubordination. Insubordination is willfully or neglectfully failing to comply with an official's orders. Wrongful or improper behavior motivated by intentional disregard for the rules. One very common thing I see in gameplay is when a skater is called on a penalty and they have to exit the track to the outside immediately, which is upon the first legal opportunity. That would just be like, get to the outside. They make allowances for if there's people around you, right? But get to the outside. Let's say you're called on a penalty and the penalty box is across the track from you. And instead of going directly to the outside and skating, around to get to the penalty box you kind of like don't necessarily cut through the middle of the track but you kind of make a line from one curve to the other to get off the track that would be an insubordination because you are neglecting the rule that says you must exit the track upon your first legal opportunity and there's other things you can do for insubordination so in cue would be actively skating while having a penalty pending usually after having been waved back to the track due to the penalty box being full or having been assessed a penalty while being the only blocker on the track. So let's say the penalty box is full, you get a penalty, you go to the penalty box, the penalty box manager, this would be an NSO, will wave you back to the track because they don't have enough spots for you to sit, which by the way, in the penalty box for each team, there's enough seats for two blockers and one jammer. That's the most of a team that can be in the penalty box at one time. You cannot do three blockers because one seat is reserved for the jammer, two seats are reserved for the blockers. So if you get waved back to the track, it doesn't mean that your penalty goes away. It means that you're in queue for the penalty box. When a seat becomes available, the penalty box manager will signal to the head referee who will then say, you know, color, number, report to the penalty box, and then you go to serve your penalty. But let's say something happens and your team only has three people available to be blockers. Like everyone else on your roster got fouled out. You only have four people left who can play. Maybe someone got injured, whatever the reason is. One person has to be the jammer and then you can have up to four blockers, but you only have three people available who can block. So you just deal with it and say, we're all blocking. Well, your two teammates both get sent to the penalty box. Now you're the only blocker on the track. One, the penalty box is full, but two, if you are removed from the track, there is no pack and derby cannot happen because there has to be a pack which consists of blockers from both teams. So you would have to remain on the track until someone else comes out of the box. A substitution is replacing a skater on the track or in the penalty box with a teammate. Fouling out. This is a removal by an official of a skater from the remainder of the game for having seven penalties recorded for that skater. So when you get to seven penalties, you fouled out of the game. Mm -hmm. That's how it goes on your seventh one. Expulsion. The expulsion is the removal by the head referee of a skater or team staff from the remainder of the game for a serious illegal action such as physical violence or any action deemed by the officials to cause an extraordinary physical threat to others. So the head referee can expel a skater at any time, a staff member at any time for any kind of physical threat or any kind of threat that may seem extraordinary. 
And this could be for any number of reasons. If a coach or coaching staff is being abnormally uh, rude, maybe cursing out the referees or, you know, threatening physical violence against the other team or something, or if a skater is completely belligerent, it could even be something like... um, If a skater repeatedly initiates contact to an opponent's back or head, or even if that skater is um, being extraordinarily aggressive toward their own team, if it's something that the head official thinks is compromising the safety of the game, they have that freedom to expel a skater. All right, so with that, we have made it to the end of the glossary. This is very, very exciting. I hope that this has been helpful and informative to you guys. Thank you again for all of your support. Please be sure to review this podcast or give it a thumbs up or a star or a rating or a comment wherever you're listening to it, and that will just help get the word out to everyone else. And if you'd like to email me, you can email me at overreactor at gmail.com. That's O-V-A. R-Y-A-C-T-O-R at gmail.com and you can also find me on Instagram and um, yeah so that's it okay well this was exciting and I will see you again no I will talk to you again in a week and support local roller derby in your community